we're changing things up a little bit this morning with our service. Uh, we've been in a series called More Than a Song about the heart of worship. And today we're going to be focusing on worship in the corporate setting, not as in an office building, but in when the church gathers together as a body. And I just thought it would be interesting if we were to cover what we're going to cover in God's Word first and then sing, having discussed what it means for us to come together in corporate worship. Does that kind of make sense? So um, hopefully you guys can hear. They've tried to test all that to make sure. But more than a song. I love coming together in corporate worship. It's, it really is one of the things that I, I genuinely love. One, because of the expression of worship that it is. But two, because every now and again, something happens that is very memorable. And you have one of two things that can be very memorable. Either the Lord moves or something crazy happens in a service that you just, wow. I, I remember, one, I mean, there's a, a long list. I've been in church a long time in my life. But one that just came to the top of the list is when I was a student pastor in Mississippi. We had a Sunday morning. Now, Mississippi is you know, somewhat famous for a squirrel revival, you know, Ray Stevens. But we had a Sunday morning where a pigeon was loose in the worship center. And if it had just stayed up top, it would not have been that big of a deal. A little distracting, not too distracting. But this bird was swooping the congregation and just darting in and out. And legitimately, I was sitting in probably about this area, and I just thought, what is my pastor going to do? How do you go forward with this? And so it was decided we can't. I mean, people are, it was swooping, and people were jumping up out of the pews and running around. And I was just like, this is crazy. The music minister at one point grabbed, I don't even know where he got it, but some uh, like black bed sheet and was trying to catch it. And, I mean, it was insane. And I really thought, we're not going to be able to move forward today. And then all of a sudden, that bird made a beeline for the choir. And a, and, a, and a gentleman snatched that bird out of the air. I mean, it was coming in like a line drive, and he just snatched it and didn't think anything of it. He grabbed it and was just going to walk out the door. But what he didn't realize is we were unified in purpose about that bird because when he snatched it out of the air, the place erupted in applause. And I'll never forget, his name was, his name was Phil. He grabbed that bird, and his, he was walking out. He hears the applause, and he turns around and literally does this with the bird. And then walked outside to get rid of it. So amazing when we gather. Um, so if, if a bird comes in, somebody up here, I'm counting on you. I mentioned that story just because, again, things happen when we gather together that are humorous. But even more so, when we gather together, there is something special when we are unified in worship together. And with that, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17 for just a few moments this morning. It says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, 
humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Verse 14, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This passage, Paul writing to this church, gives us a rare glimpse into the patterns of worship of the early church. Gives us a rare glimpse into the patterns and instruction for worship when the church body gathers together. Here's the insight in your LifePoint outline. Worship of God's gathered people is to be marked with love that binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's verse 14 that we would have a love that binds us together in perfect harmony. This, this passage, chapter 3 in total, as a matter of fact, is kind of like a makeover show. At the beginning of the chapter, it's saying take off. It's, a, it's like this idea of taking off a coat or clothing. Take off things of the flesh. And he gives a list of these kind of things. And then in verse 12, he says, put on these kind of things. So it's, it's like Mr. Rogers when he came in and would take off his jacket and shoes and would change. He put off one thing and put on something else. We are to put on compassionate hearts. We are to put on kindness and mercy and patience. And we are to exhibit a love that binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, when we gather together in this place for worship, the one thing that we should be conscious of as we come in is a unified spirit. We should love one another. We should love the Lord. And those two things unified together is our expression of worship together. As we've been in this series, we've talked about aspects of worship, that we are to worship him with all of our heart, not just lip service. We are to worship him in spirit and in truth together. We are to worship him and bless his name and magnify his name regardless of the season of life that we're in, both when he delivers and when he is near to the brokenhearted and the crushed. And we looked last week at the fact that when we worship, worship is a lifestyle. When God dwells in us, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, it leads us to worship him not just for an event on Sundays, but in every aspect of our life. And today we do talk about what does it mean when we come together for worship. So with that, there's three things that unify us in worship this morning. Number one. 
We honor the Lord when we one another one another. It's one of my favorite phrases that you see over and over in Scripture is to one another one another. You know what I'm talking about? There is pray for one another. Forgive one another. Bear with one another. Rebuke one another. Teach one another. There are all these phrases in Scripture that how we are to love one another. Some people have called them the one another passages. When we come into this place, one of your responsibilities, one of my responsibilities, regardless if you're the person on the stage or in a seat, is that we come together to one another with one another. Verses 12 and 13 speak to this. He says, put on a heart of compassion with patience, specifically bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. Please don't point at anybody in the room. But how many times have we had people leave churches because we could not forgive one another? If you're here at Harmony Hill because you think we are perfect people and will never offend you, you will be disappointed. But... I do believe this, that if we do offend outside of the gospel, we will seek to make it right. I will seek to apologize where I need to apologize, and I pray you'll forgive me. And guess what? I am fully aware that you will do things that will hurt me. But I want to forgive you because my relationship with you to one another with one another is more important than holding on to my hurt. In fact, Paul wrote, forgive one another just as Christ forgave you, you should forgive others. And the level of pain and hurt that I have caused to Christ because of my sin is more than anything you could ever do to me, and yet he forgave me. So what else can I do but to one another, one another? See, the truth here is this. Love is active, not passive. Love is active. For God so loved the world that he hoped everything would work out. For God so loved the world that he sent actively his son Jesus, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal Life. When we come into this place as a body of Christ, what Paul is saying and what I'm trying to communicate is this. One of the aspects of worship this morning is how you want another the people around you. Again, don't point at anybody, but just self-reflecting. In the last two months of, of Sundays... Have you worshiped in a way that someone else in this room would say they have loved me? They have been patient with me. They have shown mercy to me. They have shown compassion to me. They have 
bared with me when the weight of the world was crushing on me, and yet they were with me. See, we don't have the luxury of just coming in, sitting down, not interacting with anyone, leaving, and assuming that worship took place, at least not the fullness of worship. We are to love one another. That's one of the things that is unity in this place when we gather together. I don't want to belabor the point, but let me just say this. It's actually somewhat of a good thing that many of us sit in the exact same section week after week. Here's when it's not good when someone sits in your seat. I don't, I don't know if you know this. We don't, we're not like Cinemark. We don't have reserved seats. But it is okay that you sit in the same general section because it gives you opportunity to love the people around you. Some of you like to bounce all over the place because you just want to spread your love for one another around the entire room. And that's okay too. But here's the point. When we come in, part of our worship is being active in loving one another. Point number two of how we unify and worship together is this. We honor the Lord when we say the same thing. We honor the Lord when we say the same thing. What I mean is this, and if you'll notice with me in verse uh, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word of Christ is what we are all saying the same thing about. You could maybe also say this phrase, word of Christ, as being the word about Christ or the gospel that Christ came, God put in flesh to dwell among us, a perfect sinless life, dying on the cross, laying his own life down. No one took it from him so that he would be our sacrificial lamb, that anyone who trusts in the work of Christ on the cross can be resurrected at the last day just like Christ was on what we call Easter Sunday. It is the gospel, the word of Christ dwells richly in us. We say the same thing. It's kind of like uh, for those in the room that have kids, when a, when a child will ask mom or ask dad and then go to the other one if they get a response they don't like. You get into trouble when mom and dad are not saying the same thing. But when mom and dad say the same thing, there is unity and everybody knows how to respond. I don't know what it means in my own household when my kids come and ask me something first and I give them permission and then they still go ask their mom. <laughs> They're like, hey, dad said we could have some Oreos, but is that really okay, <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, I'm, I am a parent here. I, you can take my word for it. <laughs> But you know what I'm talking about when we pit mom and dad against one another. We must say the same thing about who Jesus is. This is why in our membership class, we spend time letting you look over, and while we have in our bylaws and constitution, our essential tenets of faith. Because it is important to be a member of Harmony Hill that we are all saying the same thing 
when it comes to the Trinity, when it comes to the veracity of God's Word, when it comes to salvation in Christ and Christ alone. These are essential tenets where we must be saying the same thing. And in the insight here, our worship must teach and admonish people with the Word of Christ. I mean, it says it right there. Teach and admonish one another with the word of Christ. That's why when someone stands in this pulpit, we use Scripture. I, I don't use as a primary text Shakespeare or a biology textbook even. I use God's word. It is the word of Christ where we say the same thing. That's what makes this gathering special because we are saying the same thing. It is Christ and Christ alone who brings salvation. See, we, we teach, which some would say is the positive uh, aspect of the word of Christ, which is building up and encouragement. And then there are times where there is the admonishment, which is the let's course correct some behavior, some ideas, some worldviews back to the word of Christ, teaching and admonition. What that means is, is that over the, a given year, for instance, if you are steadily here in worship, you should hear from the word things that encourage your soul and things that convict you. As, as old-timey um, you know, preachers would say, you might get your toes stepped on every now and again. And guess what? That's good for us. That's good for us to be taught and admonished by the word of Christ. The other thing that happens here is this. Our worship must, must proclaim the word of Christ through song. Some of you may wonder, why do we sing in church? Why is, why is that a thing? Well, it's because of a passage like Colossians 3 and another similar passage in the book of Ephesians that gives us this glimpse into worship. I don't want to get too technical here, but what is said here in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, is being um, modified by both teaching, admonishing, and singing. All three of those things are about dwelling the word of Christ richly within our fellowship. This was interesting to me. In, in chapter 1 of Colossians, Verse 28, Paul is talking about his ministry, which we would largely say, and rightly so, was a teaching, preaching ministry. Listen to this parallel in verse 28. In Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He is equating singing of truth to the ministry of preaching and teaching truth. He's saying in both of these things, when we gather together, say the same thing. What he's not saying is everyone sing the same key. But he is saying when we sing, let it be of truth, grounded richly in Christ. 
There is something about music that helps us remember things. For instance, these are some little jingles that every one of us that has been around television at all probably knows. Nationwide is. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off. Right? Like jingles are powerful. Why? Why do we, why do we know that? Because it was put to song. We could go through the same thing with famous television show intro music from Cheers to modern uh, shows like Friends, etc. They all have a song that as soon as you hear the music, it floods you with. I know exactly what that show is that you're referencing. There is something powerful about music. And one of the reasons we sing is because we sing the word of Christ and music helps it sink into our hearts. I mean, songs, songs we have not heard in decades, as soon as you hear the melody, you can pull it, the words, forward. That's why it's so important that Stacy and Joel spend time praying and making sure that the words that end up on these screens for us to sing are grounded in the word of Christ that dwells richly in us so that we are singing the same thing, proclaiming, teaching, and admonishing, and singing the word of Christ. Just as a brief aside, these three categories, some of you may wonder, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. They actually, there's just some best guesses other than the first one. Psalms, that's pretty easy. That's Old Testament poetry in the middle of our Bibles. Often referred to as songs that would be plucked by an instrument to be sung with. Then there were hymns. And just in case you did not know, Amazing Grace is not what he's speaking of, at least explicitly. It's not a hymnal book. Because those were not created until about 15, 1800 years after this was written. Hymns would have been specific, pre thought out, and constructed songs about Christ. In fact, it, many people believe that in the book of Colossians we have one of those hymns when it talks about the preeminence. Of Christ in chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and so on. Many believe that was a hymn of the early church dropped right in. So there are pre constructed songs about who Christ is. And then there are spiritual songs. Some commentators believe that that would be impromptu, spirit-led music. But it had to say the same thing. It had to be rooted in the Word of Christ and Scripture. Does that make sense? So like when we sing, we have preferences about music style, and when, what year a song was written and all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, Paul says, whatever songs you choose to sing, just make sure they're singing the same thing, the word of Christ. 
So unity in how we love one another. Unity that we are saying the same thing in teaching and in singing. And then lastly, number three, we honor the Lord when we do different things under the same name. I'll explain what I mean in a moment, but the passage I'm referencing is verse 17. He concludes this section by saying, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed, in spoken or action, everything be done under the name of Jesus. When we gather together, as long as everything we do is under the name of Jesus, that contributes to worship. One of the ways that this is expressed is whether you're LeVan and play the trombone. That is the right instrument, right? I got scared all of a sudden. <laughs> or whether you're Brian and you sing with your voice or, or whether you're uh, Mario moved on me. Mario, is that you right there? The lights are in my right here running a camera. Whether you're one of the, the families up there taking care of babies right now on the hill, whether you're a teacher getting ready to teach a youth Sunday roundtable discussion, whatever you do in word and deed, do it for the name of Christ. We will express things differently, but we do it in the name of Christ on this hill. And every church that gathers for worship does that. I think about those that are walking right now in our parking lot and around our buildings for security. They do it in the name of Christ, something different but for his name, that glory would come to the Father through Christ. I think about the many people that stand and open doors and welcome us and have a big smile, and every time during the summer that they open the door and the heat hits them in the face and they still greet you, Done in the name of Jesus. That was worship today. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of Christ, bringing praise to the Father through the Son. When we ask for volunteers, we're not looking to help you pad your community service resume. We're looking for people who will do different things on this campus under the name of Jesus so that we may worship and love on one another in different ways. That's why, that's why we do the things that we do, so that we can love one another in unity. We can say the same thing and sing the same thing about the word of Christ in unity. And then we perform different functions both in word and in deed for the name of Christ to be magnified. That is what worship is about. And so my question is this. When you come in on week after week, are you contributing in all the ways that make this place worship? That's a question that I'd love for you to pray about, think about as we head into the summer and as we get ready to launch things in the fall and begin to pray over yourself to say, where I sit in the service, how can I worship you, Father, by loving those around me? That when we come in, that you are saying the same thing as we sing, not with lip service, but from our heart in spirit and in truth both from the spoken word and from the word in song, 
Are you connecting in worship? And are you able to find ways that we're doing different things on a Sunday morning, and yet, whether word or deed, we do it in the name of Christ? When we do that, this place will be a house of worship like we've never experienced. God will be lifted up, and when Christ is lifted up, men and women are drawn to him for salvation and go from death to life Jesus said how we love one another will be an indicator to others of whether we belong to him or not. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to worship, which is why we put the message at the very beginning so that there would be time for us to reflect that back in worship. And so as I invite the team to prepare as we get ready to worship with the word of Christ richly in our hearts through song, We're going to be reading scripture together. We're going to be singing. And I also want to do this. During this very next song, the very next one that we're about to do, I'm not going to stand up here and count. That's not important to me. But I just just want us to pray that we would be a unified body of worship. Now, hear me. I, I don't have like Paul sometimes did when he's writing a letter. I have no immediate concern or thought that we are not unified. In fact, I feel like we have been incredibly unified over the last number of years and even through this transition. But what I'm saying is that when we seek to worship him, the enemy seeks to sow division. And so what I'm going to ask is if we have anyone who is uh, of able body, would you come during this next song? There's nothing magical about this. It's just a, a show of unity physically Can we have like 25 people that would just come and pray for unity in this body, that Christ would be magnified, that the word would richly dwell within us, and that we would do everything at Harmony Hill, whether word or deed, for the glory of Jesus Christ. Just during this next song, I would appreciate that. And and choir orchestra, if you feel so led, put your instrument down. Come out of your seat, wherever you're at. Again, Only if you feel led to do so. You can do it right there at your seat as well. But for the next 20-ish minutes, let us worship in spirit and in truth with all of our heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for instruction about what it means for us to gather together in worship. God, I pray that our offering of worship through song here in just a few moments and our worship as an offering of prayer and our worship of reciting Scripture. Father, I pray that that would be like a fragrant offering to you in heaven today. Lord, that whether we sit, stand, kneel, sing, internalize, May we do it, whether word or deed, for your namesake, not for our namesake, but for your namesake today. And may you receive glory, Father, as we worship Christ, your Son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.